0: to tell you, um, I'm very offended uh, by you guys. I have a root of bitterness and my spirit's jacked up because you're so freaking cool. They're out there doing all this thing, looking so awesome. And I'm thinking, I suck as a human. This, these, these guys are so cool. No, it was unbelievably fantastic. So I enjoyed that. How many people enjoyed the praise and worship? You can be seated thank you guys. So awesome to be with you all uh, this weekend and uh, excited what God's done at the men's camp or men's conference and then next week we're going to the metropolis of Timaru, Chicago and Timaru, very similar. And so we'll be there in Timaru. I'd love you just to take your right hand for a moment and just place it on your heart. Let's have a moment silent for the Warriors. I don't know if you go with me to the book of Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, and uh, I, love, I love Luke as a, a gospel writer. I feel an affinity with Luke. I think of any of the gospel writers, if I had any similarity, it would be with Luke. I love, I love Luke. Luke's a good guy. I, I, I think Luke had ADD. I'm, I don't have any biblical evidence for that. You're not going to read that in any scholarly, theologian, I just believe as I read the book of Luke, Luke definitely, he must have had ADD, I, I have ADD, if you have ADD, it's actually a sick word to use ADD to describe that condition, because last time I checked that spelled ADD, and I'm never adding anything to my life with my ADD, I'm always losing stuff, and I lost my glasses for 25 minutes once and found them on my face. Um, <laughs> And in the book of Luke, Luke's always losing stuff. In the opening chapters of Luke, they they lose the Messiah. They lose Jesus. How awesome is that? I was so excited. I was so excited when Mary and Joseph lost Jesus for three days. It was awesome because my wife is always nagging me at stuff about me losing stuff. I lose car keys. I lose my wallet. And she's real organized. And she's like, why don't you seem to put them in the same spot? And I feel like I do, but never the same spot. And 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 I, I got upset with myself. Like, how can I be so? You know, I can't be an adult and I'm still losing my wallet, my keys. And I was angry with myself until I realized. Well, at least I haven't lost the savior of the world. You, you got one job: look after the savior of the planet, and they lose him. And so it was so cool to know that uh, Joseph and Mary had ADD. Um, serious Luke in the Gospel of Luke. I'm not sure any other gospel writer loses more stuff. Loses a savior. Uh one, one point, he talks about salt losing its flavor. There's another dude in the book of Luke that gains the whole world and wakes up in the morning and can't find where he put his soul. Um, in, in this chapter, uh, there, there's a, a sheep's lost, a coin gets lost, and a son gets lost. You can't lose that much stuff in just one chapter and not have ADD. So I like, I, I like Luke as a gospel writer. We're gonna pick it up around about verse 11. Jesus is telling some parables, some stories. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions With prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. I have three daughters. They're always trying to hook me up with technology. Every now and then they connect me with a game. And a few years ago, they connected me with a game on my cell phone called The Amazing Breaker. And it was a fairly simple game. You'd flick things at stuff. And, uh, and if you would do really well, do it perfectly, you'd get three stars. If you did it average, you'd get two stars. If it was just okay, you'd get one. And if you just biffed it, you'd get zero uh, one, two, or three stars, you could go to the next level. I- I'm a little bit like, I- I've got to get the three before I go to the next level. I-, 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 I can't move on unless I've got it perfect. But if you got three stars, the amazing thing was that a voice would come over and go, uh, it-, it would just go, superb performance. And I used to love hearing that voice. It made me feel so good. You'd get three superb performance. You wouldn't hear it on two stars and you wouldn't hear it on one, but if you got three stars, you'd hear that superb performance. It was amazing. And I remember there was one particular level that I had to go at and it took me like a week to get three stars. It's like seven days of one star, two stars, no star, one star, two star, one star, good shot, bad shot, horrible, fail, nearly good, almost good. And, and then after seven days, bam, I, superb performance. And I just loved hearing that and I thought to myself, how much is that like God and not like the average Christian? Because the average person I would meet when you got finally got it good wouldn't go, superb performance. It would say, It's a pretty good performance, but I'd like to remind you of all the bad performances you've had in the last week. I'd like to remind you of the one-star time that you only did a couple of days ago. Remember on Thursday, you got no stars at all? That was a total failure. The two-star... Now, I I, I like the fact that the game sort of ignores all the half-shot efforts you had. And when you get it right, it's like, superb performance. I love that. I love the fact that it gives you the opportunity for a do-over. For a redo, you, you have another shot. Yeah, you didn't get it right now, but have another shot. Ah, you failed horribly then, but have another shot. Just pick yourself up and have another go. And that's how our God is. And I want to sort of talk about that tonight. I want to talk about the do over. The power of the redo, the, the, the opportunity that God gives us to just keep getting up and having another go, and God just honoring the fact that we're just trying to push through. I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight, the power of the do-over, the, the, the redo. Let's just pray before we do that. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, God, that, that you want to do amazing things in the house. Lord God, you want to speak to people personally. And so I simply ask you to do that tonight, God. Do something really cool, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I'm not sure if you've ever done this, but have you ever read a warning label only to totally ignore the warning label? Anybody ever done that? You've read a warning label? Uh, I was living in South Auckland, pastoring there, and one of my first trips that I did to America, uh, I was in Los Angeles, and I found a store called GNC. It's a gym supplement store. Back then, we didn't have a store like that. We've got them all over New Zealand now, but back then we didn't have a good gym supplement store. I'd never seen. I I like to work out. I like to go to the the gym. And so this was like Disneyland for for me, you know. And so I'm in this gym supplement store looking around. There's so much stuff. It was unbelievably awesome. But then I stumbled on a, 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 a product called the Twin Labs Rip Fuel Fat Burner. This was a pill that you could take that would just burn fat. And I'm thinking to myself, this is awesome. Because the only way that I knew then to burn fat was cardio, where you jump on a treadmill and you just run for unlimited amounts of time. And that bored me out of my brain. I hated cardio. I hated cardio almost more than I hated the devil. In fact, I think the devil probably invented cardio. And so I'm thinking to myself, I can just take a pill and I can be just ripped. This is awesome. And so I bought myself a bottle of Twin Labs Rip Fuel fat burners. Now, this was back in the day when fat burners were just filled with awesomeness. It's like they grabbed all the awesome things of the planet and they just shoved it in one tiny little pill. They used to have ephedrine in it. It had Yohimbe in it. It had massive amounts of caffeine in it. It was just a pill filled. Most of those things now are, are, are banned substances. <laughs> a slight overreaction to some people who apparently took those and then launched their kidneys out through their nostrils or something like that. A little bit of an overreaction. But this was back in the day when those things had some kick. They were, they were awesome. And so I bought myself a bottle of Twin Labs Rips. So I go back to the hotel, and it's about 5.30, 5.45 at night. And I read, I read on the bottle, and it says, Do not take after 6 p.m. at night. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's obviously written for people who are patient. but I want to be chiseled today. I want to wake up in the morning and have a washboard stomach. I I want to be able to just grab my undies and just... and then just clean. So I probably need to take those now. And I'm not patient enough to wait. If I've got something that I've just purchased, I want to use it now. I don't buy Christmas presents in November for people because they become November presents. I, I... I... then I read the label, and it says, take two, and don't take any more than four in a 24-hour period. Obviously, it was written for skinny people, and I was chunky. And, uh, and so around about six o'clock at night, I took um, six. Uh, well, I know now, Twin Lab... Rip fuel fat burners. And about 15 minutes later, those bad boys kicked in. And I was like, whoa, this is awesome. And I figured to myself, I need to go to the gym. And so like, I just race to the gym. I'm in the gym and do. I'm crushing this workout. I'm just smashing. I'm just curling and I'm benching and I'm. I just, man, I'm sweating like a crazy person, running around the gym, fats, just like, just falling, people are walking behind me, slipping over and stuff like that, and just going crazy in the gym, work out for about an hour, I'm like, yeah, go back to the hotel, I have a quick shower, I'm sitting down in the lounge room of the, my hotel room, just watching TV, flicking through the channels, totally knowing everything that's happening on every show simultaneously i do that for about 45 minutes and then i think to myself i reckon i could work out again (laughs) and so that's what i do i go back to the gym and i just crush another workout i just smash that back i'm just curling stone i'm Bench and stuff, and I'm pulling down, just like running around the gym, and fat's just, just dripping off, and people walking behind me, slipping out. It's just awesome. I loved it. It was just fantastic. Did another work I was like 10:30 at night and I go back to my hotel room and I shower down again, put my PJs on, getting ready to go to bed, crawl into bed, and I'm just lying in bed. Woo! <laughs> 2 a.m. in the morning. Woo! 4 a.m. in the morning, I am not asleep. Woo! Two days I stayed awake. (laughs) Two days, Twin Labs, Rip Fuel, Fat Burners. Warning labels are there for a reason. Life is full of warning labels. People ignore warning labels all the time. I don't mean to be mean, but there are people right now protesting against SeaWorld because Shamu, the killer whale, killed somebody. Now, that's horrible. It's a horrible thing that someone would die like that. But I just suggest to you that if a very large incarcerated mammal swims up to you, puts its fin out, and introduces himself to you as, I'm Shamu, the killer whale, and then he kills you, I think that's your fault. I'm just putting that out there. I I don't want to be mean. Like if I said to you, hi, my name is John, stab you in the face with a sharp object, Morgan, and then you come to my house and we're swimming in the pool and I launch out of the water and proceed to stab you in the face with a very sharp object, I would suggest to you that's your fault. Just throwing that out there. It's a warning label. There are warning labels all the way through life. Sometimes we don't recognize them. I I went to a movie with my father-in-law. It's a family tradition for my wife's family to go to movies Christmas Day. And he always picks a movie. And we picked a movie. I thought it was a movie title, but apparently it was a warning label. We went and saw the movie La Miserable. I don't think there's anything worse than a musical with people that can't sing. Well, other than a musical with people who can't sing in spandex, but, but uh, um, and it was just horrible. Halfway through that movie, I was miserable. By the time it ended, I was miserable. It was just a, it was, it was just a horrible, horrible, horrible movie. Warning labels. Like if I invited you over to see a 95 kg man-eating dolphin, and you came to my house and, I'm just sitting there at the table eating dolphin, I just don't think that you should be upset about that. It's just a warning label. It's like this parable. Now, I know some of you are like, we're done with the jokes. Let's get to the meat of the word. So I just like for all the brainy people that are here, all you Sudoku puzzle people, um, there is some meat coming. I promise. It's not at the front end. Uh, But I'll announce it when it comes, just in case you miss it. Uh, but there is some meat coming. So all of you Bible college students, like, meat in the wood, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's coming. But I, I will point it out just in case it goes past you. Uh, but life has warning labels. And, 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 and this passage of Scripture, the fact that this young man uh, ends up in this situation where he is working for a guy who sends him to feed pigs and he's watching what the pigs are eating and he's so hungry that he's desiring their food and no one gives him anything. He's starving to death. He, he, his life is spun out of control there. It, it, it shouldn't be really surprising that that happens because as you read through the parable, it's like warnings uh, sounds and warning bells are just, just screaming. It, it, when you read through the parable, it's It's a little bit like the the, the horror movie. You know when you you watch a horror movie and, and the guy's like walking down the hallway and then the music changes. And when the music changes, you know, oh no, something bad is about to happen. And he goes to the door and you can hear the music change. And you're like, don't go through the door, Phil, don't go through the door. But he doesn't hear the music and he opens the door and he's dead. That's what's happening in this parable. As you read this parable, everything screams to you, something is going to go sideways here really, really fast. Number one, he's the youngest son. And so he doesn't have a lot of maturity. And he's probably not surrounded by a whole heap of smart people with life experience. And so he makes this decision to go to his dad and ask his dad for his inheritance now. And probably to all his young friends, they're like, dude that is an awesome idea you need to do that now probably didn't have any people to try to talk him out of it just people in agreement as he's starting to make this decision you know that he at least had one smart friend and that he didn't mention it to his mother because i think if he mentioned it to his mother it would have been the shortest parable in the bible The Bible would have said a woman had a son, and the son asked his mother, Mother, give me my inheritance, and she killed him. That's how, that's how. (laughs) I wasn't scared of my dad, but I was scared of my mother, terrified of my mother. My mother was in her 80s, and I was still terrified of my mother. I was terrified of my mother, and she had Alzheimer's. I was terrified of my mother because she'd beat me and then forget, and then she'd beat me again, (laughs) and she my mother was a scary woman. My my mother believed in time out, but not in modern day time out. Not like Johnny in naughty in the corner. No, my mother would knock me out, and then she just time it. That that was how that was my mother's time out. So as the youngest son, he doesn't have maturity on his side. He's self-centered. He's not thinking about his dad, not thinking about his mother, not thinking about his brother, not thinking about his family. Just me, my, my thing, my way feels good to me. He's self-centered. The premise of his question is actually incorrect. What he's asking doesn't exist. Dad, give me my inheritance. The answer from his father should have been, there's no such thing as your inheritance. Because the Bible doesn't say, and the father gave him his inheritance. The Bible says, and the father divided to them his livelihood. Like this is the dad's money. This is like your, your parents' money is their money until my, both my parents died last year. And until that point, I had no inheritance. It was their money. It was their livelihood. That's what they were living on. But when they passed and went to heaven, then it became my inheritance. But it wasn't my inheritance until the day that they passed away. And so he's asking for something that actually is incorrect. And then another thing is what he's asking for is sort of like going against biblical wisdom. The Bible says that an inheritance gained quickly at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. And so he's, uh, he's, he's ignoring, they're, they're ignoring all the warning signs that are going with this. But, but the amazing thing is that despite everything, despite this being wrong, despite this being a bad choice, be, despite this being a bad decision, the father doesn't stop him and gives him his inheritance. Just like our heavenly father has given us the power of choice. I love the power of choice, and I equally hate the power of choice. I, I, I love the power of choice because the power of choice meant that everything we did here tonight matters. The fact that you're here tonight matters to God. Because you could have been anywhere else. You could have been at home watching TV, you could have been at the movie theater, you could have been anywhere, but you made a decision. God did not force you to come to church tonight. When when you worshiped God tonight, when you raised your hands and started to sing, that matters to God because He didn't force you to put your hands up and worship. And some of you, if we knew the week that you just had, would be shocked at the fact that you were worshiping God because any sanity would say, you probably don't want to worship God tonight. But you brought a sacrifice of praise. It would have been easy to stay home. It would have been easy not to worship. But you came to the house of God, and God is well pleased that you brought a sacrifice of praise today. That was your choice. God did not force you to do that. And it adds value. I hate the power of choice. Because we make such stupid decisions and I've made plenty of them. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. God says, I've given you the power of choice. And so you can choose life. Or you can choose death. Now, egg would have been great if God just gave us life, no death. But if there was no opposite, there'd be no choice. You have to have the alternative to have the power of choice. I I, I set before you blessing and cursing. And we, we don't really want the cursing. But there's no power of choice unless there's an opposite. Now, God says, I want you to choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I, I-, I want you to choose blessing, but unless they're set before you, you don't have the power. Of, there's no choice of right or wrong. You don't have the power of choice if it's only the power of right. And so God says, I, I-, I-, I want you to choose the right way. I-, I want you to make the right decisions, but we've got to take the risk that you might make a, a, a bad choice, but I'm giving you the power of choice. Now, the reality is that, that most of us don't set out to choose death and cursing. It's not like, well, what have I got? I can, I, I can, I can live or I can die. Well, I'm going with the die one. Can it be painful and stuff? We don't do that. I set before you blessing and cursing. So you're saying... I can be blessed or I can be cursed. I'm rolling with the curse. Most of us don't choose it like that. What what we do is we look at our options and then we start to filter our options and and, and we start to think, well, well, I know better. I, I know if I go this way, it could lead to death. I, I, I know if I go this way, it could lead to a bad habit. I know if I go uh, this way, it could give me an addiction. I, I know if I make this choice, it could lead to pain, but, but somehow I think I can outsmart the odds. Somehow I, I, I think I, I know better than what I'm being told. O- often we think, well, that won't happen to me. I, I think I can dodge a bullet. We had a girl on the freeway the other day drive past the, my daughter and I and uh, we're, we're doing probably uh, 80 or 90 mile an hour uh, on this freeway and it was raining and it was late at night and she zipped past us. So was, she was nearly doing 100 and she had a cell phone out in her hand up there and she was texting. You could see her using her cell phone in a car as she was driving at high speed down a freeway at night in the rain. Why? Because she just thinks that she can dodge that bullet of distracted driving. But the graveyards are full now of people who have died or killed somebody through distracted driving. They say that texting and driving is the exact same as drinking and driving. The danger is there. But we just think we know better. You probably even have been doing it yourself because you think that you can dodge that bullet. But every time you do it, it's a choice. It's a choice to flirt with death. It's a choice to flirt with injury. It's a choice to flirt with injuring somebody else and creating pain for their life and your life. We think we know better when we're presented with the choice. Or we just think incorrectly. We just get wrong information. We ask somebody about it and they're like, yeah, you should do that, but you asked the wrong person. Or you ask somebody else and they say, no, you shouldn't do that, and we just ignore it there and we just try to find somebody who will agree with us. And we get wrong input. It's a little bit like trusting autocorrect. Have you ever just sent a text without checking it? Anybody ever done that? How many have ever got in trouble for that? I sent a text to my wife once. I'd landed back in Chicago. And I texted this to my wife. My lips have just landed so much closer to yours. And one of my friends texted me back and said, I don't really care, and that's jacked up. I, I, I was sending a text to Brian Houston once. I just landed in LA and he just got on my heart. I thought I'd, I'd just, you know, say, you know, I hope, you are, hope you're great. And that was all I was going to send. So I hope you're great. And I, thankfully, I just checked it before I sent it and it said, I hope you're dead. <laughs> and that would have been the end of my ministry. <laughs> But we just trust incorrect information. You know, we think, who will this hurt? Who's this gonna hurt? If I make this choice, who 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 is this gonna hurt? If, if it feels good to me, then then I should be able to do that. And we just don't think that, that it's gonna hurt anybody else. But but no choice you make is made in isolation. Every choice that you make is gonna impact somebody. Young people your choices you're making at school right now in your education and in your work are not just about you. They're about the income and the lifestyle you're gonna provide for your children when they come. The choices you're making at school right now are not made in isolation. That's why the scripture says, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. In other words, your choice are going to have an impact on your children and your children's children. It's going to go down the line. The the, the education you have, the lifestyle you have, the neighborhood you live in, all those things are going to have an impact on anybody. But the only people in all of history that probably could have had a pass of, of making their choice and being accurate when they said, well, who's this going to hurt, was Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve are in the garden of Eden and they're standing there looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and for those of you that have been taught it was an apple tree, it wasn't an apple tree, it wasn't a fruit tree, it was the knowledge, if it was an apple tree, I'd be extra angry at Adam and Eve. I'm angry now at Adam and Eve. When I get to heaven, I'm going to hunt Adam down and headbutt him, and he'll be easy to find because he'll be the only guy there without a belly button, and so... So I'm angry already for the mess that he's created, but I'd be super angry if he was tempted by fruit. I have never opened my refrigerator door and saw broccoli in there and been tempted by fruit and veggies. They're not standing at the tree and, eat the apple. (laughs) Look at the apple. The apple looks so good. Eat the apple. Adam, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And Adam's like, oh, it looks so good. No, it wasn't. Now, if it was a Whitaker's peanut slab tree, the devil wouldn't have even need to talk to them at that point. I'd have been chowing down. <laughs> but they could have looked at that and said, well, who's this going to hurt? If we do this, how many people here today have been impacted by the decision that Adam and Eve made in the Garden of Eden? Every one of us here today. Thousands of years later. No choice that we make is made in isolation. Or we just think, I'm going to do it because it just looks cool. No temptation is lacks temptation. The whole thought of tempting you is that it's tempting. Like it actually looks good. I'd like to do that because it looks like it's going to be fun. And so that's why it's tempting. And so we, 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 we just think it looks so good and I love the power of choice, but I equally I hate the power of choice. I love the power of choice, because when my children tell me they love me, it m- means that I didn't force them to do that. I hate the power of choice, because I've made such stupid decisions. There have been times that I just wish that God would have sent a big angel that would just clothesline me in the face to stop me what I was going to do, but it's like God let me make that I hate the power of choice. I've watched people close to me make horrible decisions. Some of them have lost their life through the horrible decisions that they made. And I've been angry with God. I've been angry with God and said, God, why didn't you stop them? Ever been in that place? I remember this one time I was just super angry with God. I went into my office, my church office. I just slammed the door, and I'm just like yelling at God, and, and I'll vote you. I was just so ticked off with God. I was just angry, just lost my mind. So angry with God for allowing that to happen. Which I often wonder. I wonder how that even looks in heaven, that how whole that whole thing plays out. Me and my and God's like. Um. Michael and Gabriel, get over here. Um, I'm hearing some sort of noise coming. I'm not sure really where it's coming from right now, but um, uh, maybe you guys could uh, pass me a magnifying glass. Thank you very much. I don't know. Just looking down. Okay. Um, no, it's not in that galaxy. Uh, it's not in that galaxy. Um, I'll check over here. Okay. No, it's not in that one. Oops, that's gonna leave a mark. Um, Oh, there it is. There it is, it's that one down there. It's, uh, I think it's coming from planet Earth. Uh, Let me check it out. I think it's coming from the Southern Hemisphere. (laughs) Yep, there it is, it's New Zealand. Seriously, guys, were we supposed to create that many sheep down there? Was that the plan? (laughs) That was always the plan. It wasn't like a sale on wool or something like that. We thought that would be good. No. We always decided to go with that. Fantastic. (laughs) Praise me. (laughs) Yep, there it is, South Auckland. And there's Johnny Morgan. And he wants to fight. <laughs> i so angry at God. Why do not you stop them? God, show me that he'll put up roadblocks. He'll set roadblocks all along the way. But what we often do is in our, in our desire what we want to do, we just launch over. In every scenario where I've been angry at God for his not stopping, I found out in every one of those situations when we look back on it, of all the roadblocks God set up and the people made the decision by just keep, no, I want to go this way and they're launching over the roadblocks and eventually God just puts his hand up and says, I've given you the power of choice. The power of choice is awesome. The power of choice is awesome because of this. The same decision-making power that we have that creates bad decisions. So that the same decision-making power that this young man used to end up going from his father's house of comfort into a situation where he was feeding pigs and starving to death, the same power of choice that got him there is the same power of choice that would get him out of there. And so if you're here tonight and you look at your life and go, dude, I've made so many bad decisions. I don't really like the power of choice. You can embrace the power of choice tonight, not to celebrate the fact that you've made bad decisions, but to realize that you are only one choice away from a do-over. You're only one choice away from a turn- uh, turnaround, that you're only one decision. The same power of choice that leads you into a bad situation is the power of choice that can turn it all around. It's just simply how you respond to your situation. This young man is starving to death. He's looking at pig food and says, man, I want to eat that. And they're not feeding him anything. He's starving and he could just keep making. He's already made bad choices, but he could just keep making bad choices. But he's only ever one choice away from a turnaround. But you've got to make the decision. First of all, all you've got to do is acknowledge that, that where you are is where you, you, you just don't want to be. That you want your life to be better than it is right now. That you don't like where you are, you don't like how you're living, you might not even like who you are, but you've got to make a decision, I don't like this. You've got to acknowledge that where you're at, who you are, what's happening is, is not how you want to live for the rest of your life. The Bible says in verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? In this situation that he's in, he's starving to death and it hits him. He says, you know what? Back at my father's house, his servants have better meals. His servants have abundance. I'm dying here and the servants have food there. This is stupid. Why am I staying here? Listen, the reality is that all of us fall at some point. All of us hit the ground at some point. But it's how you respond to your bad decisions that determines where you go. Some people, when they hit the ground, they're splatterers. Other people, when they hit the ground, are bouncers. Some people, when they hit the ground, it's like, (laughs) and they just splatter all over the ground, and then they become one with their problem. So rather than saying, you know what, I made a mistake, they say, I am a mistake. Rather than saying, well, I failed there, they own it and say, I am a failure. They say, well, I'm unclean, I'm, I, I, I'm dirty, I'm a, I, I'm a loser, I, I, I'm no good. They start to own the problem. But other people when they hit the ground, they go, I don't belong here. This is not who I am. This is not who God created me to be. And they bounce up, they ricochet off. I wanna encourage you tonight. It's time to ricochet from your past. It's time to bounce back from your bad decisions. It's time to exercise your God-given right for a do-over. Condemnation always will highlight your failure, but conviction will highlight the father condemnation will highlight your situation when conviction will highlight the Savior. Condemnation will highlight the crisis, but conviction will highlight the cross. And when conviction comes, you realize that the Father, the Son, the cross of Jesus Christ is all there to make your past your past and to give you a brand new future. But it all starts, you've got to acknowledge that where you're at, who you are, what you're doing is not how you want to stay living. Then you've got to make a decision. That's the second thing you've got to do. You've got to decide that you don't want to keep doing what you've always been doing. The Bible says here in verse 18, I'll arise and go to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I will arise and I will go. I don't like where I'm at. I acknowledge it. But now he's got to make a decision. I'm going to get up and I'm going to head back home. The Bible calls that repentance. Repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia. And all it simply means is this, change direction. So his life has been on a certain direction based on the choices he's making. Dad, I I want my inheritance now. And he gets it. Dad says, I want you to come in early. I want you to, to keep better hours. I don't want you to be out late every night. I, I, I'm setting some guidelines in the house. And the, the Bible says that he makes a choice to leave his father's house. And then he goes in, in, in parties and lives in prodigal living. He he, he goes over to, to the Gold Coast and he gets himself a, a, a condo in a in a high-rise apartment. And he's going to all the nightclubs every night. And he's spending money at the casino and he's drinking up big. And he's starting to do drugs and he's partying every night. And he's, he's just like one two three drink one two. The next thing he's you know swinging off the chandelier. The chandelier, you know, he's just like. He, sometimes he finds himself naked on a wrecking ball. He's just like he's just going crazy. Life is out of control. And, and then a famine hits the land. Land. and he runs out of money, and rather than go home at that point, he makes another decision. He joins himself with people. He picks the wrong friends to hang around with, and he doesn't pick friends that make his life better. He picks friends that start to take him in a different direction. Maybe he starts dealing drugs. Maybe he starts taking some more. Maybe he starts sleeping. Who knows what? But he's joined himself with people that are not bringing him closer to destiny. They're taking him into failure. So he's making these bad decisions, and now he's heading in this direction, And he goes, you know I'm going to go home. And he repents. He just changes direction. That's what God wants you to do. The choices that you've been making are leading you one way. And God says, don't go that way. That's going to lead to failure. That's going to lead to pain. That habit is going to destroy you. That lifestyle is going to suck the life out of you. Why do you keep doing that? And the Holy Spirit's convicting you and saying, turn around, turn it around. Go the other way. don't, don't go through that door. The axe murderer is in that door. God says, just repent. Make a decision to go a different direction. Then you've got to act on that decision. You've got to step away from your past. Step away from some friends. Step away from that situation. Maybe don't go to that pub anymore. Don't go to that nightclub anymore. Don't hang around with those people anymore. Don't do that thing anymore. The Bible says he arose and he came to his father. You only have one choice from a turnaround. Here's the amazing thing, and I want to say this before I read this last passage of Scripture, and somebody can come and play some music, soft. What, what, what key are you going to be playing in? B? Awesome, because I've been preaching in the key of B. <laughs> you guys are genius. Here, before I read this last passage to you, I want you to think about this. This is actually not a true story. This is a parable. This is a made-up story. This is a story Jesus is telling. And so all the details, he's deliberately putting in there. But this is not like, Jesus is not like saying, hey, I met a guy who had two sons and he told me his story. Now, this is a made-up story. Now, now I thought that would weaken the moment, but it actually strengthens the point. Because now you realize that everything Jesus says, He's trying to make a point. There's nothing here accidentally. Everything is handcrafted to try to get you to see how the Father thinks. With that in mind, I want to read you this last passage because the last thing that you've got to do is you've got to learn how to receive God's mercy and forgiveness. You've got to learn how to receive that in just a moment you're going to have an opportunity to pray and receive God's mercy and forgiveness and get a fresh start right here tonight. But in the last verse, as it says here in verse 20, he arose and he came to his father. But when his father was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I, I, I promise meat in my message. Here it is, and bring the fatted calf. <laughs> bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this is my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he was found, and they began to be merry. Father, sitting on his balcony, just waiting every day. His wife's like, honey, you going to come in? No, sweetheart, I know my boy's coming home today you have been out there for weeks now and he's, he hasn't come home yet he's probably probably not not coming home today and dad's just sitting out there I know I know he's going to come home one day babe. I know he's going to come home one day I believe one day he's going to make the right choice I know he's made bad decisions but I know I know it one day I've given him the power of choice I know one day he's going to make make the right choice I trust that one day he's going to make a right decision I'm just waiting just waiting here waiting 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 for my son one day my son's going to go home Next day comes. He's out on the balcony. He's waiting for his son. His 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 other son's like, Dad, what are you doing? I, I'm waiting for your brother, son. I know one day he's, he's going to come. I know one day he's going to come walking home. He's like, that loser's not going to come home, Dad. That loser's making bad. I've heard it. I I, I I've seen I've seen his uh, Facebook and his Instagram. And man, his his life is out of control. There's not good stuff happening in his life. He's not coming home, Dad. You're going to be disappointed. Just come in, Dad, and hang out with the family. His dad's like, son, I, I I'll come in shortly. But I'm just waiting today. I believe that one day my son, I. I don't know how long he waited the son is, is, is coming home. He makes his decision. This is his choice. I, I, I'm no good. I'm, I'm horrible. I, 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 I'm a rotten person. I've wasted my dad's money. There's no way I can go back and be his son. And so uh, the way I'm going to get back into the home, he w- works it out in his head, is I'm going to go and tell dad I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 I made bad choices and, and, and I know I can't be your son. I know my choices have disqualified me from being your, your, your son but at least I, can I get a job as a Servant. I, I, I sort of know the run of the house. I, I sort of know how things have done, and, and I know I could be a great servant. I, I, I know I can no longer be I have biffed it so badly that I can't be your child, but 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 at least I could get a job. If you've got any jobs, I don't even care what the job is. I, I know I'm gonna have a better lifestyle working in your house and I could back then. I turned my back on my past and, and so here this is going over and over again in his mind. And the father is sitting out there one day just waiting, and all of a sudden he sees this like this ball of dust and a whole heap of flies and he's not really sure what, what, what's going on. And as he sees the, the dust dissipates, he thinks to himself, I think that's, and the Bible says that the father runs to the son, wraps his arms around. The, the son didn't come running to the dad. The dad went running to the son because he saw that he made a choice to come home and his head was down and his body was dirty and he stunk a pig slop. The father wraps his arms around him and embraces him in love. And immediately the son says, Dad, I've come home to get a job. I, I know I can't be your son anymore. And I- I'm going to get a job as a servant. I, I know I've disqualified myself. And, and-, and the-, the dad just ignores that whole thing. He doesn't even answer it as he's hugging and kissing his son, he says, I need a new robe. I, I need a new ring. We, 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 we need to go and kill a cow and make some burgers. We, we need to get a party happening. He goes, this is my son. This is my son. No, you haven't disqualified. Yeah, you've made bad choices, but you've never disqualified yourself from being my son. You come home today, son, and I love you. It was almost like the dad looked at the son and went, Superb performance. And Jesus told that story. So you and I, when we find ourselves at some points lost, that we now have a heavenly father that would pursue us and wait for us. If you've never been in church before and you're here for the first time and thinking about getting your life right with God you don't really understand it all and that's cool we get that I didn't understand it all before I prayed and asked God for a fresh start I just knew I needed a fresh start I didn't know everything about church I didn't know everything about the Bible I just knew everything about me and I knew that me had jacked it up so bad that I needed a fresh start so I began the journey many years ago with a prayer God please forgive me I'm sorry a bit like the sun it was just a choice turn my back on my past and embrace a new future. And that's what we offer tonight. If you've never prayed, if you've never asked God for a brand new start, God's given you the power of choice. And the cool thing is God's been hanging out here all day at Sky City, waiting for you. Probably went and took the tires down after the morning service and doubled them on the blackjack table. No, He didn't. Do it. He didn't. Sorry, that was just in my head, popped out. And happen but he's been waiting I don't know how many weeks he's been waiting I don't know how, how many times people have invited you to church and you said no God was waiting there that Sunday just in case you said yes and they invited you again you said no God was waiting in the church he's been waiting for you and you're here tonight and God's like yeah they're here and all you need to do is run to him in a prayer and say God I'm, I'm sorry I want to turn my back on how I've lived and I want to make a decision to live your way. I'm going to wrap his arms around you, hug you and kiss you and he'll welcome you into the family of God. That's how we all got here. One prayer. Maybe you prayed a prayer once and you asked Jesus into your life and for a fresh start and then you just made more bad choices. You've walked away from God and you're coming home tonight. No different. God's like, I love you. I've been waiting for you. I knew you'd make the choice one day. Great choice, great decision to be here. Now all you need to do is make the next choice, which is, God, please give me a brand new start in my life and relationship with Him. The good news is you're only ever one prayer away from a brand new decision, a brand new opportunity. Would you close your eyes right across this place right now? I'm going to ask pastor to come up and pray with you. I need to go to the South Campus and so past is going to come, but just allow the Holy Spirit just to minister to you right where you're seated. Allow God's love just to fall down on you, God's grace and mercy just to fill you right now. Some people here, you feel so guilty about the things that you've done. How can God ever love me? Uh, The Bible says that God so loved the world, everybody in it people that are better than you and the people that are worse than you and everything in between god loves you his love's right here right now holy spirit wrap your arms around people let them feel your grace let people get an opportunity tonight for a brand new start in their life and their relationship with you just keep your eyes closed